whatever, Wednesday. That's right. Andrew, what's going on? It's going right, bro. Are you How's awake? Going? Are you are you with us? I am. I am. I'm, it's not too bad, but it is Monday night, and it's getting late. Mm. So I'm not going to be my usual chirpy self. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. We. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I think I like sleepy Andre better. It's just a, you're th- more thoughtful oh, and more sort of just I don't know contemplative. Where, yeah, it's just. <laughs> That, that whole caffeine-driven Andre, ugh, I don't know. I don't even know that guy. Who is that guy? It's, it's, uh, totally, yeah. totally. So, hey, but, know, um, one thing to say, just up front, people can't see this, but yeah. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. We got no jitters. Yeah. We got no anything because mm-hmm. I'm going at 100 megabytes a second, if that's how you say it or whatever. But I am cruising on fiber. And, uh, that is fast. Dude, and I'm seeing you, and we're like talking. It's crazy. This like, is how it's meant to be. No, there's nothing. There's there's no robotic voices. It's like just smooth. Although, as you said that, your voice went a little bit robotic. Did it? Yeah. Uh, the irony was profound. But I'm looking at your messy well, office. I mean, what well, is that even? It's just like you got books and everything. How do you even work in that mess? You can't just you can't just be like criticizing my messiness, on on you know. On the air. I mean, what is that? My messy office. Well, actually, to be... <laughs> that's my bookshelf. <laughs> it's like, not a bookshelf. Well, well, okay, that's that's my one of my book piles, uh-huh. and that's another of my book piles, and I've put them next to each other, so yeah. that constitutes a bookshelf. Book piles uh, is what that is. I, I also have another pile of books down here, and another pile of two a pile of books on this side of you, and another pile of books on this side of you. Oh, and man. so, this this is how I how I live my life, bro. Wow. Mm. I'm at home in the tohu bohu, bro. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> it's my mess, you know. I, I I know I know exactly where my things are. It's all good. All good. Is that the <laughs> attic or something? Are you in the room? It, it's it's uh, no, it's, it's I mean the, in the, it's it's a loft room. Loft, it's a loft sorry. room. Is an attic yeah. a loft? I think it's basically the same thing, except in no no because the attic's like over there. So they, okay, this is this is an actual room. So this is right. the third story of the house. Uh-huh. Whereas the attic is through that cupboard, and that's where I store stuff. Uh huh. And I can see that. Anyway, so yeah. all to say, we've moved into a new <laughs> a new phase of two age sojourner. Man, now I can it's like see properly interactive. Where I can properly... look into my brother's eyes. Oh boy, oh boy! Except oh. our, our uh, faces are covered by these pop screen things. Yeah, massive black loops. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can only see your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this is I've, never, I've never noticed how beautiful your eyes are, Mike. Totally, <laughs> they're beautiful. <laughs> how the light from your own death saw <laughs> glints against you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, man. Uh, it looks know, cold there as well. You were like all like you got hat. And- yeah, winter has fallen upon Coat. us. I um, I would put my so usually I have some time to to heat the office up, but um, um, I was on the drop off duty this morning, 
And uh, so that means the heater hasn't been on. So that means if I put it on now, it sounds a little while I'm, while I'm recording. Right. That's not cool. So uh, I'm suffering for the sake of the cause here. But uh, no, it's not too bad. I mean, winter is upon us, though. So I kind of like it, though. I like yeah. winter, man. This is even though my wife's sick right now and like two of my three kids are sick. And still, I like it because it's just cozy and you can like. So your kids are sick, but you sent them to school anyway. No, no, just just Kara. She's on a solo mission today, uh, representing okay. the big household. Everyone else is uh, is uh, sprawled out in the living room and uh, just oh, really? watching watching oh, man. Snowflake. What's that? Snow Snow Princess. Snowflake. <laughs> frozen, you mean the, frozen, frozen, the frozen, let it let it go, let, let it, it go. snow? That yeah, one. That's the one. Snowflake. Okay. I call it Snowflake. Snowflake. Um, so hey, uh, we've got another problem. Um, you have like what ten percent battery left, and this is all 30, part of you. Thirty percent. Oh, percent battery power. That's not much better. And thirty-six. Um, no. And uh, it's all part of your disastrous sort of thing going on there. Um, but hey, <laughs> we're like getting I left it done. my charger at the church office. Okay. All right. So it could happen to anyone. Now, on that uh, yeah, note, have, have I mean, what juice. would be totally tragic yeah. is if. I mean, as interesting as this conversation has been, um, mm -hmm. it's trying to steer it towards something of any level of substance at all okay. before <laughs> before you're, you just go cold and dead on me on the other okay, side of the line, up? and I just have to like solo from this end. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. Try mm -hmm. perspectivalism. Actually, you know, yeah, actually, I did want to talk about this. I mean, it, it would be good for theology, but you're not going to make it to Thursday, so... <laughs> I might make it to Thursday. Nah. Yeah, no, okay. Well, go on. What are you thinking about triperspectivalism? Tri it's like, oh. uh, I know, it's like try saying Irish wristwatch. <laughs> what, even once? <laughs> yeah, try, try saying once, do it. Irish wristwatch. Now try Just triperspectivalism. <laughs> no, I can't do, do that one. That's too tough. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, it's like who who in their right mind thinks I've got a handy little one one word catch all catch all word. I'm just gonna for ease of reference, I'm gonna create this one word to describe what I'm doing. And it's perspectivalism. Yeah, you have to have a philosophy background to be able to think that that's even going to be a goer. And uh, that's his thing, philosophy. So, so I've just been wrestling with it. I know Chris hates it because uh, he had to sit. Under frames teaching at Westminster for, you know, like the entire time, and apparently they just got beat down with the with the perspectivalism, and um, and so I know people like start twitching from Westminster during that period when you talk to them about it, um, but obviously I don't carry that baggage, so you know for me it's just a easy dip whenever I want, and it's I'm just intrigued, you know, with with uh, frame, um, um, I I was genuinely helped by Vern Poitras's article, who, uh, <laughs> as uh, Chris says, is, is kind of framed soulmate. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they kind of, they've got a special thing going on. And um, the, um, the, the whole, if you've ever re read that article, um, creating uh, space for the spiritual gifts in light of a cessationist framework, and if, something along those lines, have you ever read that? Uh, you're not talking about the analogous. Yes, that one. One. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. What's it? The apostolic gift says as analogous something to something other. Yeah. Yeah. Something it like was that. profound when we read it, but it was very complicated. Yeah. 
<laughs> to be honest, I never found it quite as helpful as you did. But, Are you serious? Cause well, because look, yeah, I'll, I read on your recommendation and I was like, okay. I could kind of see where it's going from, but it, it, I guess I was just asking this different questions. Yeah, probably. Um, well, the reason I say I bring that up even is just um, as a point of reference. I would immediately dismiss, I mean, just from what I've read from tri- perspectivalism, if I would just, you know, just, and I've only, I haven't read a lot, uh, but I have read his um, little book on it and his primer, and I've just um, seen it in action in a few examples. Um, and so go check that out if I'm, I'm not going to take the time. Well, we might get to explaining what it is in a second, but, but just to set it up, the, the whole thing, um, I would immediately dismiss it cause it seems very arbitrary and tenuous and what's even going on there and why is that even helpful? Um, except for the fact of that article that was written, um, by Vern Poitras who employed that method. I know I remember that much, um, to get to some sort of, you know, not compromise, but just move the discussion forward when it came to that whole Grudem versus Gaffin debate on the spiritual gifts, or at least on mm-hmm. prophecy in specific. And um, and I just found, yeah, because I had been tracking with that debate, it was, it was, my neck was on the line for that. And it was just, I was, you know, really just, I felt the impasse that people were at. Um, I did feel that Gaffin had the superior exegesis. I, I you know, so that much was clear. Um, mm-hmm. and yet there were still elements that were not being accounted for. And so, you know, it just, it just, it was very, very helpful in the way that he kind of t- took the problem. I always put it down to Vern Poitras's math background, you know, cause he's got a PhD from Cambridge in math and, um, mm-hmm. he was headed toward that sort of career. And then he flipped over to theology and I always just sort of thought, oh, well, that's what happens when a mathematician gets hold of theology. You know, he just, mm-hmm. he just explodes the nuance and uh, shows you that, you know, you've missed a thousand options in between. But then as I uh, moved on and sort of saw the connection to Frame, I realized he was, you know, just quite a strong advocate of, of Frame's theological method, which is what uh, tri-perspectivalism is. And so uh, employed that and moved the discussion forward with it, which at the time was just very, very helpful. Very, very, oh, wow, we hadn't considered that. Well, actually, we hadn't considered mm-hmm. that. And in many ways, not completely, but it had just you know, to some extent or another, declared the debate moot until those new angles had been properly explored. Um, And so I just thought, wow, that is a great way of doing theology and a very, very helpful way to, you know, be ironic and to bring about unity where it's possible. Um, Obviously, it's not going to be the silver bullet that, that, you know, brings the world together and, and, and causes us all to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But it is you know, it's just a helpful between brothers, between people in basically the same camp. Um, it's it's a helpful way to just kind of at least probe in areas that hadn't been probed before. So I was that appealed to me, and that's why I've just decided to to check this out before just completely discarding frame sort of on the way. And um, and I'm trying to get my head around it, and honestly, it's difficult. It's like a a very very. I mean, at some level, it's a very easy concept that he's got hold of here. But at another level, it's it's kind of, well, where's it coming from? There must have been more than it is immediately obvious, you know, w- with regard to that method. And so, for example, uh, Frame Talks, he uses this thing called a triad um, to talk about three. Um, and, and basically, this is an epistemological tool. So it allows us to get at knowledge, you know, as those who are knowers, how do we get at knowledge? How do we know stuff? And, um, and he would say, well, you know, we're going to always have three perspectives um, at very minimum, 
<clears throat> but it seems like there's more than just a minimum involved. That it's almost like these are the three. Hence the the big emphasis on triperspectivalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, although interestingly enough, Vern Poitras has kind of moved towards a multi-perspectivalism, which seems to sort of complete that problem um, and, and get past it. Because you know, I think I think one of the immediate senses that we all feel reading through frame stuff is like, why three? Why you know, it does it have to be three? What if it's four? You know, what what is making it three? But just to complete yeah. the sentence and thought there, um, you know, we get at knowledge via. God's, I mean, God is the only one that has every perspective on everything. He's the only one that has all knowledge. So we don't have access to God's mind directly, of course, because that would be to make us God. But we do have access to what God has has revealed as the norm. And this mm-hmm. extends all the way from uh, gravity to logic uh, through to things that are uh, declared normative in Scripture. Uh, not scripture itself. The Bible is not the normative perspective. That's an important point I've come to grasp. Uh, the other perspective is the situational. He talks about a situational perspective. Um, and this is basically the um, the experience of the way things currently are. So again, under under God's control and providence, but it's just that it's it might not be the normative thing. It's it's more just how we encounter or or let the normative engage with things that are whatever whatever the situation is that the knower is placed into. Uh, and then, of course, the final one is that the knower himself um, must, you know, engage with the norm and the situation, which is always going to be through a, um, a subjective, and he calls that an existential ex- a perspective. So I thought, okay, well, you know, at some level, it'd be hard to think what a fourth perspective there would be, you know? I mean, you've only got three i don't know if you've got anything else that flips to mind but i mean well so you've got these three perspectives the normative the situational and the existential yeah right and the the normative is basically the things that are objectively true is that Mm -hmm. right um they yeah i I think you could say it that way they're like laws in a sense they are like laws yeah you just want to yeah, yeah, let's let's go with that for now. And then you've got the um, situational, which is context. Mm-hmm. Um, the particular context that the knower or mm-hmm. the individual finds himself or herself in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you've got the experiential, which is what the, the kind of... Um, internal knowledge of the person, the yeah. kind of yeah, the application of that knowledge to the person, you know, okay. or, the, or the apprehension of that knowledge in the person. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like if you say so, okay, but you say that the normative is not scripture. No, because he wants to make a thing of saying, well, the the scripture itself, as the Bible, as the you know the sixty six books of the canon, as letters that were written, as things that God has revealed, that you know, as as we come. Uh, to engage with the scripture, really, we're coming to as those who seek knowledge to engage with a thing in the world, right? So all three perspectives need to apply to that thing, which means that as we look at scripture, as you've just said, you know, you're going to have the objective. What what are the things that asserts concerning law and normative? Um, you know, okay. maybe the so te- you can have all those things within the, the, the historic, maybe maybe the the grammatical exegesis, etc. But the context would be all right. How in which way does it need to be applied? Uh, and then, obviously, yeah. uh, the the existential 
Uh, or it, even the context around. would be in which, where, where did it get revealed? Maybe we're just looking at basic Bible context there. Um, and then, yeah, the, this, the existential would be that final bit, just applying it. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean... So it just so happens that uh, well, it works I, well for that. <laughs> and it just it's kind of well, eerie the way it works for things, but it's just why. Now now just before just before I let you run Lucia, here's the most concrete thing I found, okay? Um and this is I think helpful in that you've got what what I have not been as aware of and obviously Frame is deeply aware of this having gone through his own journey in philosophy and that's his thing. Um but apparently and and you know I kind of I think you know anyone who's done an overview of Western philosophy will will at least at some level appreciate the struggle but you've had three epistemological assertions essentially that have been pitted against each other so you've got you know the rationalists that have come at it um, you know mm-hmm. trying to get knowledge through rationalism you've got uh, the empiricism which is really what he wants to put as a situational thing you know let's look at the the thing as it uh, you know, as the laws as they interact with the world around us, and then um, the existential. Of course, you've got all all of those existential philosophers. So he's but saying, kind of well, postmodern thing, totally. And and he's saying, well, the reason they're not working, and this is the most lucid frame. This is why I'm just mentioning this now. This is the most lucid thing I've found. He says the reason why they're not working is um, because they have no. It's the parts and the whole thing. You know, uh, they have no cohesive whole. As a Christian, we don't have to succumb to that problem because we have God um, as Lord moving us all together. Um, you know, He is the the, the unity uh, in the diversity, as it were. And um, and so that's how the triad and the Trinity somehow links up in, into this. But but essentially, that means for the epistemological issues that we face, we don't have we're not we're not faced with the unbelievers problem in that sense. We're able to bring all of those things in a triadic perspective uh, and, and so as to gain knowledge. And so th- what I find helpful about that is that he's not just cranking those three like angles out from just his thumb, you know, trying to find a cutesy little triangle to work with. He's going, all right, let me look at the yeah. history of Western thought and, or even just thought in general. And this is pretty much all we've come up with. We've had these three, you know. So these are the three that we're working with. You know, this I'm not going to try and reinvent that. Uh, and yet, what I am going to say is that they they do come together in a Christian worldview. So I find that helpful, potentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, uh, well, it's been a while since I read this, and mm. I read it in his introduction to systematic theology. Right. Was that yeah, an okay? Salvation belongs to the Lord. Oh yeah. Um, and I think the 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 impression I got with it was it was at first a little bit like a sermon organized into three points, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, yeah, it, it, it did make sense and mm-hmm. it was helpful. But then as you kind of read through the book, you mm-hmm. started to feel like everything was just getting slotted into the same three points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I think in another conversation, I think we mentioned this, but I, I remember watching a, a movie by Jim with Jim Carrey mm-hmm. about the number 23. Yeah. And he, he basically starts to freak out because he sees the number 23 in everything. Mm, mm. Um, and it felt a little bit like that. Yeah. Like you're just, you're just getting forced into, in fact, there was a, there's a, the British theologian, um, uh, Wilson, uh, mm. Andrew Wilson, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he he actually he wrote this kind of like poem about it, mm-hmm. um, about you know, and, and John saw that there were three, and he spoke, and it was like this whole parody of of you know John Frame basically reorganizing all of Christian thought into into this this thing of three, <laughs> and the more you go on, it feels like that. So yeah. then he's talking about sort of vaguely remember um, him sort of organizing all of Christian theology into the three. So it's not just an epistemological thing for him. He's now organizing all of theology into these categories. So you've got, you've got the normative stuff, which is your theology proper, you know, and then you've got the situational stuff, which is your ethics. Yeah. And then you've got the other stuff. I can't remember what he does in the other one, but like, um, you know, so he really is, 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 I think, I think it's the other one. I think uh, his historical, uh, his at least situational stuff is his, um, redemptive history. And then the, oh, the situational is, yeah. the, is the ethics. Yeah. Is the uh, ethics. Yeah, yeah. That could be it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. And, and, and so in a sense, yeah, it's, it's fine, Yeah. but it, it's fine. I think only in like I didn't find it massively illumining in terms of helping me to understand anything. Right. Um, it was more just that as a kind of didactic tool, mm-hmm. I could see I could see why he was using it in the same way that I might use three points in a sermon. Right. Now you know, here's where but, here's what and again I, I'm totally on your page there, and this is the frustration. Why would you put? Why would such a clever guy who's obviously you know he's one of the foremost you know systematic theologians of our day in reformed thinking. I mean, there's just no getting around that. Um, and why would he, why would he do that? You know, it just sort of drives me a bit nuts. I'm, I feel like I'm going 23 on him, you know, just, just looking at all of this. Mm. But one of the things that I did think, and just coming back to that Vern Poitras article is that probably its main value, at, at least as I've looked at it so far, is that while it, it might be sort of an arbitrary pedagogical tool, maybe one of the big things it does do, and maybe the one of the things that Frame sees it being really necessary in doing is allowing for some degree of nuance, ironicism, and unity within a very particular reformed kind of ethos, you know? And, and so in other words, if you could just approach a problem that has a lot of juts and tittles on them uh, on it mm-hmm. uh, and just use this tool to just open yourself a little bit to thinking about different different angles on the same thing, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. Just stay with me. Um, then, then hopefully, um, you know that will just move us past the eating each other alive phase as the Reformed Church. You know, that's kind of the, the overall sense of burden I get from him. And but how does it do that? Though? Well, like, there've been a few attempts. Right? I've mentioned the Vern okay. Poitras uh, issue on the spiritual gifts, which was potentially yeah. helpful. Um, Another way Tim Keller has has used this a lot um, in his and again like for every use of this, you can see how it, it would infuriate both parties, you know, who believe they have absolute hold on this thing. Um, so you know, going back to Ben Poitras's thing, you've got the cessationists who would be like, uh, "No, it's not a moot debate. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Mister Mister Fancy Pants. You know, with your triangles and stuff. Uh, actually, we've got some solid, you know, exegesis here. So just just deal with it. You know, you're you're, you're mm-hmm. worsening, not helping." Um, and and likewise, the the side from you know uh, Grudem's side who wants to make a point. So in that way, it's a, a little bit facetious, and it just kind of irritates everyone. But um, you know, at worst, it, it it actually creates an opportunity. This is the, the the real problem people might have with it. It creates an opportunity for those who are legitimately antithetical in their positions. And you know, if we got truth and error in view there, um, it provides a way for truth and error to come together. 
you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, really w- blends a weird, it forms a opportunity for a very weird kind of ecumenicism, um, and and that that is probably legitimately troubling. And I bring that up because uh, Tim Keller has been accused of that in making use of frames thing, as, as he tries to you know talk about the seeker sensitive um, thing right. and Willow yeah. Creek and all of that as a more sort of you know, um, has has a certain perspective on things and this, and he's and, and has tried to rope everyone in. Hey, let's all be friends, which is very much Frames vibe. Um, and then um, there was another instance of it, and well, actually, let's cut to the jugular here because um, you've got obviously the Norman Shepard Klein debate that went on, and this is why Kleinians got burst into flame when you mention Frame, um, because uh, he would essentially got law and gospel right. Um, and mm-hmm. this is vivid. I've just read, actually, just read the page where he deals with this, um, and he's written a whole article about this, about the way that law and gospel are not antithetical. Uh, they're two perspectives of God's message to man. Yes, you know. Okay, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you end up with him, and what he was trying to do there is go, "Hey, guys, in the theonomy slash shepherd camp, who are heretics, you know, um, according to the other guys." Um, and hey, you Kleinians who've got this sharp sort of angle on, on grace and whatnot, um, I think you just are seeing, you just need to see each other, you know, in a different right, perspective. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so you see Frame's heart behind that is good. And the whole thing is is kind of driving towards unity and that tool is being employed there. But um, that's a, maybe a, the most, the closest to home example of why it would infuriate, you know? Um, yeah. Because we no, don't want I see that. that. Okay, that's interesting. So he's not saying that. You have to view them all. Um, you, you have to be doing them all at the same time. You're saying that some people are doing them from one perspective and some people are doing it from... So some people are coming at it from a normative point of view. Some people are coming at it from an existential point of view. Is yeah. that what he's saying? Uh, yeah, he and, is. And so he's saying he's giving... The same thing, but from different angles. Right. And he says... I didn't get the... Sorry, I, did, I didn't get that when I read him. I I thought what he was just saying was, look, guys, there's three aspects to theology, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I was like, well, in some sense, that's, that's a, you know, he's stating it very clearly, but he's stating the obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Much in the same way that you could say, look, there's two aspects to the Christian life, love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You two know? perspectives right there. Exactly right. Um, exactly. So like, what is the like third say, one though? You know, what is the third one? We need a third one. Yeah. I know. Well, you can't have a 2.7. This is the problem. So you have to come up with a third one. <laughs> that's what poems it's are It's better for. if you're alliterate. Yeah. That'd be better. That's alliterate or, or, or a poem. It says, it is. Ends with <gasps> you just went chill. robot. You just went robot. Points. Oh no! Did I? You just went robot. I'm turning off the video. It's because I'm on eleven percent. Oh, that's why. So it's not my broadband. It's not my fiber. It's, no, it could be mine. To be fair, my um my extension thing has been playing up lately, so I don't know if we're getting the best of my wife. Oh, I mean, I'm kind of fragile on um, that point right now. Don't. Uh, all right, eleven percent. <laughs> what do you want to say, even? What are you saying? Come on, say it already. Eleven percent. Ten percent. What are we talking about? Yeah, I I read Frame like ten years ago. I'm yeah. like not as, not as into Frame. It's not. Um. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it because I don't see. I don't see, um, apart from it being a didactic tool, as a, which you can take or leave insofar as you find it helpful, I can't see what possible benefit it is. What yeah. is interesting to me is that um, uh, I'm because I'm doing a lot of reading at the moment on on philosophical movements and their impact on evangelical hermeneutics, mm-hmm. that 
um, you know, there is there are raging sort of debates as to things like um, whether or not we should be adopting the more sort of modernist and postmodernist views, where we consider the 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 reader as part of the hermeneutic, hermeneutical cycle. So yep, yeah. when you're interpreting the Bible, it used to be from the Reformation um, onwards that you're looking for the objective message in the text. What mm-hmm. did the author intend to say to his audience? Yeah. And, um, and once you found that, you found meaning. And once you found that meaning, you could then apply it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, now... You know, because of modernism, postmodernism, and the 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 kind of there's no real objective truth. There's no meta narratives. It's all about the individual and about mm. your truth and about the experience of it for you. Mm. And so now in hermeneutics, lots of people, you know, it's like when you're sitting in a Bible study, and everyone goes around and says, "Well, this what this means to me is," and then the next person says, "What's this? What this means to me is," and it's like the complete opposite of what the first person said. But instead of saying, well, which one is right? You just say, oh, that's lovely and move on to the next person who says something completely different yet again. And so you end up with that kind of vibe. And so if he is saying, if he is saying that it's okay that you're approaching it from the existential point of view without also approaching it from the objective point of view or the normative point mm-hmm. of view, and at the same time thinking about what that means for the, or the, or the redemptive historical biblical theological themes in the mm-hmm. Bible, then I think that's a, that's a big problem. That's right? a big problem, a, except that that's not what he's saying. And I'm pretty yeah. sure of that. And, you know, I think he would have been kicked out a long time ago if that was the case. He he is making an emphatic point that he is, he's not embracing perspectivism, which is, a you know, again, that postmodern kind of deal. Um, objectivity is key. It's it's the whole concept. It's, you know, because because uh, God is God. Uh, it really, the matter is, how do we get at objectivity? That's the, that's the issue for him. And then even, and this is where I think I might probably get into trouble amongst Kleinians, in, in that, you know, even where he is talking about law and grace um, being, you know, perspectival, um, he's, he's he's very careful in the way that he does it. You know, he I, I sometimes I wonder if he knows what he's doing or if he's just like mercifully not stepped in the in the in the turd, you know, um, because like, for example, he'll talk about law and look how law and grace are in every covenant and you know everyone agrees with that no one doesn't agree with mm-hmm. that in terms of in some way shape or form you know mm-hmm. um everyone understands even prior to the fall there was an unmerited favor of some some kind you know uh, without sin it wasn't a demerited response to sin but it was you know god being condescending in mercy so in that sense the term grace could stand albeit unhealthily um after the fall, you've got, of course, you've got you got grace, and God gives commandments. Even in the new covenant, we've got we've got grace, and we have commandments that we need to obey. So the question is never is there grace and law. The question is, you know, what is the principle of inheritance? And this is what Klein either uh, what frame either doesn't understand or has avoided masterfully, you know. But when he states the issue. He states it in such a way that we have to agree. <laughs> you know, I find myself going, well, I can't yeah. not agree with him. Yeah. Um, and yet I really don't like the language. I feel it's irresponsible to say law is another perspective on grace. But he acknowledges in all the times he deals with it that he's not saying 
that law yeah. as a as a principle of of life is is um, a perspective on on grace as a principle of life, and so you know he's he's. Um, but at the same time, would have no problem seeing the law of Moses as being containing all of these elements in the same way that the new covenant contains all these yeah. elements. And, and, that, and look, lucidly, he, he's definitely on that side of the camp. He's a, yeah. uh, maybe not mono-covenantalist, but something along those lines, you know, just a classic uh, reformed covenantal guy in that sense. Um, but, you know, that's not a heresy thing. That's just a, that's a, yeah. you know, it's, it's a normal kind of, oh, we hate it thing, but it's just, uh, you know, so you got to hear the it's guy a, out. If, if, if not, if not, um, Closely observed, it could be a heresy thing. It could. Well, that's it. And and maybe frames just taking one step closer to enabling people with that heresy, which is, I think, what what Klein um, did when he when he wrote against frame. He said, "Listen, you know what you're doing here is not only are you defending a guy in heresy, but you're sort of enabling this heresy, you know, by by giving uh, them yeah, further tools." Yeah. So it's it's interesting because Frame probably wasn't doing that. He probably was just being his contrarian self. You know, here's the value of Frame, as I've seen so far. He just forces you to think through your own position, and he does so. I mean, yeah. he is good at it. You know, he's he's you know, it's, it's his thing. He's contrarian. Whatever, it's like whatever you say, he's going to come up with the other point that'll really get you squeezing through the keyhole of your own mind to to just make sure that you are you you're not so sure of yourself. Uh, for no reason, you know, and at that level, amen, you know, um, it's just that okay. when it starts getting irresponsible with language, I don't know, I suppose you just have to start taking some responsibility for that. Um, but you know what I've done? And hopefully this what? will fuel some further discussions. I have, let me just pull it up quick without like 1% battery remaining time. 4%, Four, bro. Beauty. All right, all right. Let me just say, I just purchased a book for like freaking, I didn't even know, bro, like a hundred bucks. Don't tell Candace. What? It was huge. What? That's so expensive. It's a, it was a dissertation. I had to have it, though. I could not have it. <laughs> it's just it's not even an option, bro. It's not even an option that I don't have this. It's called oh. It's called uh, The Triune God of Unity and Diversity, an Analysis of Perspectivalism, the Trinitarian Theological Method of John Frame and Vern Poitras. Ooh. So we got to read that because he, he says, his opening line, I wasn't going to buy it. But then his opening line was, I'm taking Meredith Klein's charge seriously. Uh, Meredith Klein has called us to, you know, be be custodians of truth and to critically examine triperspectivalism. And I'm doing that thing. <laughs> and he obviously freaking did it, you know, and yeah. PNR published it. And so I got to have it. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, and, I see why you wanted it. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to read that and we'll have, you know, hopefully like, that sets us up. Okay. Question. All right. Yeah. I had two things. One is, does he relate this to the Trinity, which we can't talk about now because my laptop's going to die. Yeah. Because I, I vaguely remember that he did. Oh, yeah, he did. And I think yeah. that's a bit weird as well. But the other thing yeah. is... Um, uh, like, does anyone is anyone even bothered about it? Like, is 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 frames try perspectivalism actually making waves? Because I don't think it is, as far as I can tell. Just you know, around yeah. the grapevine in the UK, mm -hmm. no one's really talking about it massively. It's been controversial for sure. Um, okay, it, you know, is it going to have that abiding effect? I think I think probably we're on the money in terms of exactly where it's going to have its true ripple, in that people are going to use it. It, it, to mm. substantiate something or other, and we're going to have to be ready to 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 know exactly where 
they've overstepped frames line maybe or just what is valid or not valid about frame yeah um and that'll be helpful i think cool cool nice all right well i bid you farewell (laughs) yeah thanks for having me it's been real and i got four percent boom with some time to spare Thank you.